0: And welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor, your host here, E. Vander Vliet, is trusted canine host is, well, he's nowhere to be seen. Woody has exited the building, as they say, but Woody was here. He would, of course, ask you to please, 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 please visit our, our website, the dot com and you can see all of our social media links there and the one ask that we have right now we actually have two asks one is to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting these podcasts out on video. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can also visit our YouTube channel and you can see the podcast in action. Good, bad, or indifferent. And you'll see some guitars in the background. So if you're listening to this and you haven't visited the YouTube channel and you love guitars, well, I've got some Gibsons. I've got some Fenders. I love guitars can 't play for uh, for crap, but I love guitars, so you see those in the background and Woody's other ask is to please like, share, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast to help us move up in the algorithm because life is not a matrix life is an algorithm so let 's get on to uh, the news of the day we've got a lot going on, but we're going to, our, our focus today I'm, I got a little more on polling I just did the segment on polling. I got a another poll or a story about polling that I want to share. But we'll get kind of heavy into the Amy Comey Barrett nomination. That happened um, yesterday. And you know, there's not a whole lot of meat to the bones there, but there's a lot of stories to it. And then we'll talk about some other stuff in the news as well. There, you know what? There's another story about masks that just came out. The CDC has got some splaining to do now we just saw that World Health Organization article that the shutdowns may have not been a good idea that's starting to catch some traction so you heard it here first if you're listening to this podcast you're starting to now hear it on other platforms and then some other stuff so let's get into it first off here is from townhall.com poll the shy Trump vote is bigger this year and who falls into this category should terrify Democrats. So All right, so here's the headline of the article poll. The shy Trump voter, I'm sorry, the shy Trump vote is bigger this year and who falls into this care, category should terrify Democrats. Here's the story. I'll say it again, folks. The polling is screw, skew, screwed. Screwed. It's skewed. It's a mess. Either we're right to the highly skeptical and Trump wins an electoral college landslide or the pollsters are right. And we're heading for Armageddon come election day. Still the oversampling of Democrats, college educated voters and suburban Republicans hostile to Trump should bring a ton of scrutiny. The reluctance from some of these clowns these clown firms to switch to likely voter samples is also suspect. We're not going to have a 2008 or 2012 electorate. For starters, a new Hill Harris poll noted that young Americans are not excited about this election at all. They're not planning on voting. Gallup is reporting the young interest in voting. This cycle has hit its lowest levels since 2000. Uh, That's in keeping with the results from democracy institutes, Patrick Basham, whose polling data, which has been mentioned in The Washington Times and Forbes, suggests there will be one million fewer young people voting this cycle. I mean, if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense. You know, you've got Joe Biden, who is 78 years old. I mean, he's 78. There's an obvious cognitive decline. Uh, And even if you don't believe there's an obvious cognitive decline, the young voters can see that. So they, they, they don't. You know, they're looking at this going, "Wait a minute, what's with the old guy? The old guy? I got to vote for the old guy." And that old guy, by the way, is older than Donald Trump. So Donald Trump's what, seventy-four years old, seventy-two. So, and you do not have the cognitive decline that you have obviously in Biden. So Gallup has found the lowest level of interest from youth voting since 2000. Now this is funny because we've heard this for ages that the youth vote, you know, the the, the Democrats specifically try to get the youth vote out and And we've known for ages that the youth vote is fickle. They're fickle. Your best voting block is your senior citizens. They vote consistently. So that's where you got to really follow is where is the, the, the elderly vote. But, you know, we're talking about the youth vote here for this particular segment. So if you look at it, the Democrats are worried because this youth vote, they're not excited. They are not excited about this election. So a lot of them are going to sit it out. Now, Zogby Analytics, they put Trump approval at 51%. So new U.S. likely voters, powered by a poll powered by Zogby, Zogby, 51% approved, 48% disapproved. So that doesn't help them either. So you've got the youth vote that's kind of, eh. You've got Trump now at a 51% approval rating, <laughs> doesn 't look good the Democrats need that youth vote they don 't have it locked in so now you 've got all this polling, and I shared the polling in the previous segment. please listen to the previous segment if you not had so already or' done so already you 've got the battleground states are not trending the way they should be trending for Biden. Biden is underperforming where Hillary Clinton was at the same time in the battleground states so if, if he cannot maintain or increase the trend in the battleground states, his performance in the battleground states where Hillary Clinton was, he's going to lose those states. And if he loses those states, well, he loses the election. It's that simple. So Biden's in trouble. I know the Democrats and the media don't want to say it, but Biden's in trouble. Biden is in trouble. There's an enthusiasm gap, as I mentioned in the previous podcast. And you've got the youth votes kind of, eh, they're like, meh, eh. So they're disenfranchised. They're, they, they may not turn out. And there's this enthusiasm for Trump like we've never seen before. So I just wanted to carry on from the previous segment of polling. Uh, you know, things are looking good. We got three weeks to the election. Three weeks. And I'm feeling good about it. Anyway, let's get into Amy Comey Barrett. So let, you know, we had uh, her testimony, which was not really that much of a testimony. She did her opening statement. And then we had some grandstanding from uh, some senators, especially the Democrats. I mean, Patrick Lee held up a magazine cover with Smokey the Bear and some lady. And I know a lot of people are saying, why is he holding a picture of Smokey the Bear? What he was doing he was holding a picture because a lady in the picture was Smokey the Bear. Apparently, allegedly, according to him, earns minimum wage, but we don't know that for sure. You can't take Leaky Leahy's word for it. So let's go through some of the articles that have been produced already about the um, first day of hearings for Amy Coney. Barrett. So this is from ABC News. Key takeaways from first day of Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court nomination hearing. Uh, I'm not going to get into too much of the article. I'm going to give you the bullets. The first bullet is Democrats focus on health care. While they have railed against Republicans for weeks for moving forward with Barrett's nomination after refusing to hold any hearings for Judge Merrick Garland, President Barack Obama's Supreme Court nominee in 2016, Democrats are essentially powerless to delay or derail confirmation process until 2021 that's right they are so they focused on health care okay we knew that was going to happen i mentioned that in the podcast yesterday uh, obamacare is going to be a big part of it okay another thing that they focus on republicans accuse democrats of anti-catholic bias so the democrats are trying to now smear amy coney barrett's catholic background it's falling flat, doesn't work. Again, key takeaways here. We're just going to buzz through these things. Another one is charges of hypocrisy flies. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Ch- uh, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa were two of the most vocal Republican Republicans opposed to considering Garland's nomination in 2016, calling for Americans to weigh in on the court's future in the presidential election that year. So this ABC News article is tying the hypocrisy or trying to call hypocrisy from Garland's to this. Okay. Uh, another is Democrats calling Barrett to commit to recuse herself from 2020 election cases. Why would she do that? Well, she shouldn't do that. In fact, it would be ridiculous for her to do that. Uh, Senator Blumenthal, of all people, stolen valor senator, uh, called on Barrett to commit to recuse herself from any election-related cases that could come before Supreme Court in the wake of the upcoming presidential race. Nonsense. All right. Another takeaway. Pandemic permeates the hearing. The coronavirus pandemic overshadows everything in the committee hearing room on Monday with every mask wearing senator, bottle of hand sanitizer and wide shot of the socially distanced seating arrangements in the Senate's largest hearing room. It was a reminder of the virus that has upended life in the United States of America and around the world. Those are the key takeaways from ABC News. Do you you start to see the pattern? You start to see that they got nothing. Uh, they've got nothing. If those are the key takeaways of the first day of her hearing, the left has nothing. She's going to be confirmed. Amy Coney Barrett will be the next Supreme Court Justice. But we got we got to go through rhetoric. We got to go through this process from day one. This is all they got and they don't got much. Now, they are attacking her. Uh, Twitchy, you know, this is um, Michelle Malkin's um, outlet. Another strike against Amy Coney Barrett. Lawyer says says her wardrobe. You're not going to believe this. You are just not going to believe this inappropriately casual. That's right. A criticism of her uh, and Coney Barrett on day one of her testimony is her wardrobe is inappropriately casual. Uh, Are you seeing the picture here? I mean, this is from Leslie Mikado Gordon, whoever that is. Uh, This somebody tweeted this out: Women lawyers and judges wear suits, including dresses with jackets for work. It is not a great look. That ACB. Look at this. The left's already given a three-letter moniker. I love it. ACB consistently does not. No male judge would be dressed in less than correct courtroom attire. It's inappropriately casual. (laughs) If that is their criticism of this woman of this nominee for the Supreme court justice. Again, I say they got nothing. They got nothing. She was dressed fine because she wasn't wearing a jacket. I mean, I'm a guy. I I couldn't tell you how she was dressed and what fashion I could tell you is she was just fine. There, there was nothing inappropriate about her dress, but if that's all they got, well, oh, they get more, they go more. I mean, here, here's also from Twitchy. What is this unhinged BS? Very gay blue check feminist manages to write the most sexist tweet of all about Amy Coney Barrett. So this is from somebody, uh, Lauren Hugh How How H O U G H. Have no idea who she is. None whatsoever. And I don't care. I don't care to know who she is. Uh, but she's a blue check mark which I often refer to as the blue stain mark. She tweeted out, it's a very weird thing to watch these old creeps congratulate a handmaid on her clown car vagina. What? This is what they're doing. This is the left, ladies and gentlemen. This is how the left is handling the nomination of a woman to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Let me read her tweet again because it's outrageous and nothing will happen to this woman because she's blue stain mark. Uh, It's a very weird thing to watch these old creeps congratulate at handmade on her clown car vagina. All they have the left, all they have is emotion. They've got nothing else, nothing whatsoever. All they can do is ride that emotion on their sleeve and hope that it gets traction because here's what the left is doing and this is this is you got to understand this this is why we as conservatives need to keep our emotions in check because we need to understand exactly what they're doing because we know it's very obvious what they're doing is what they're doing is they're rallying up their base for this election has nothing to do with amy coney barrett they know she's going to be nominated and she's going to be seated she's going to be the next supreme court justice It's just going to happen. And the reason it's going to happen is they got nothing. They have, you can tell, but if this, if this is how they're trying to blast her, they absolutely have nothing on her and they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to combat this. So what they're going to do is just grandstand. So the left and they're not stupid strategically, they're not good, but they're not stupid. So what they're doing, this is, all by design what they're doing is they have to grandstand they have to do this they have to come up with something because their base needs it requires it and they know if they don't give it to their base well their base is going to be disenfranchised because their base lives on this this ether of emotions i mean the the left the far left lunatics and they are lunatics. They're mentally challenged people. And I'm sorry to say that, but they just are, they need affirmation. They need something to show that these people, their leaders are looking out for them. And it it could be something as simple as dissing Amy Coney Barrett's dress and how she dresses because it gives them something because if they don't have it, they're going to be like emotionally wrecked and they may just not vote. Everything that's going on right now from both sides, the right as well as the left, is about getting the votes out. And if the side that gets the most votes out is going to win. This is I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is a base election. So the left has to grandstand. It's all for naught. And I, I, I'm funny, I'm watching some of the videos of Amy Coney Barrett, and she's sitting there, she'll, she's got her mask on, stone face. You can see in her eyes, she's looking. You can see in her eyes that she knows this is all a farce. Just wait her time out, and she'll be a Supreme Court justice, period. End of story. She knows, she's very smart. She knows they have to grandstand like this and grandstand they do cory booker remember him this is spartacus he had a spartacus moment he he gave a dramatic acting performance at the hearing you got to listen to this one too. absolutely i mean cory booker cory booker is just he's a joke he's just absolute joke so listen to cory booker's grandstanding at the hearing
1: We're here because in the middle of a deadly pandemic, in the middle of an ongoing election, Senate Republicans have found a nominee in Judge Barrett who they know will do what they couldn't do, subvert the will Uh of the American people and overturn the ACA and overturn Roe v. Wade. That's what this is about. That's why we're here. It's very simple. Senate Republicans know the American people don't want this, but they don't care because they have only one small window of opportunity to work the system, betray what the American people want. And so they're desperately rushing to complete this process before America starts voting, but they don't have to do this. If one of my colleagues will stand up on this committee, we can hold this over until after an election. If two of my colleagues on the Senate floor agree with their other two colleagues, Republicans, we can stop this. Otherwise, this is a charade when they say this is a normal Judiciary Committee hearing for Supreme Court nomination. There's nothing about this, it's normal. It's not normal that Senate Republicans are rushing through a confirmation hearing, violating their own words, their own statements, betraying the trust of the American people and their colleagues and failing to take, in this hearing, even most basic safety protections to protect people around them, all to ensure that tens of millions of people will lose their health care when we're seven months into one of the worst public health crises in the history of our country. It's not normal. This is not normal that millions of Americans like Michelle and Merritt are just scared of a deadly virus. They're scared of their fellow Americans who are sitting in this room right now. They're scared that their government and their institutions will be manipulated by people who could not work through the democratic process to take away their health care and are trying an end run to achieve that. Nothing about this today is normal. This is not normal. What is going on in America today in the midst of a deadly pandemic and an ongoing election, having a rushed Supreme Court nomination hearing is not normal and we cannot normalize it. People are voting right now. The American people should decide. The American people should decide. The American people should decide. People should decide. I will not be voting to confirm judge Barrett's nomination. We're here because.
0: Uh, who cares? I mean, who cares? It is actually, let's, I won't use this word normal, but there is a precedent here. Uh, We've been in this situation 29 times in the United States of America since the beginning of our republic. 29 times. 19 of those times, the presidency and the Senate were the same party, and 17 of those 19, the nominees were confirmed, including Abraham Lincoln. So, Cory Booker is a drama queen, a grandstander. I mean, the man likes to hear his own voice. I mean, President Trump was elected in 2016. He was elected duly by the American people. And according to the Constitution of the United States, this is his job. This is his duty. So uh, this amount of grandstanding is nothing more than political bluster. And it means absolutely nothing. Again, forget about it. You know, if you got your leftist friends out there that are ranting and raving about it, you know what you should do? You should just smile and just smile. You don't need to argue with them. It's moot point. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is going to be nominated. She's going to be seated, or she is nominated. She's going to be seated on the Supreme Court. They can't do anything about it. That's why you got this grandstanding. And if you try to argue it, oh, it doesn't matter. And then Kamala Harris, uh, you know, most leftist senator, by the way, in the United States and even left of Bernie Sanders, she had to weigh in herself as well because, you know, well, she is the vice presidential candidate. She is a sitting U.S. senator. And uh, she came in via... Uh, Zoom, I guess, or anyway, remote. So listen to what she had to say.
2: Americans could lose their health insurance altogether. If they succeed, they will eliminate protections for 135 million Americans with pre-existing conditions like diabetes and asthma, heart disease, or cancer. A list that now will include over 7 million Americans who have contracted COVID-19. Insurance companies could deny your coverage or could sell you a plan that won't pay a dime toward treating anything related to your preexisting condition. If the Affordable Care Act is struck down, you will have to once again pay for things like mammograms and cancer screenings and birth control. Seniors will pay more for prescription drugs and young adults will be kicked off of their parents' plans. And these are not abstract issues. We need to be clear about how overturning The affordable care act will impact the people we all represent for example micah who is 11 years old and she lives in southern california so micah enjoys being a girl scout and ice skating and reading and eating pasta and baking her mother says the only reason micah is able to live her life as she does now is because the affordable care act guarantees that her health insurance cannot deny her coverage or limit her care because it's too expensive. You see, Micah has a congenital heart defect. She goes to multiple specialists throughout the year and gets an MRI with anesthesia every six months. At just 11 months old, Micah's family had already hit $50,000 in medical expenses and her biannual MRI cost Worth fifteen thousand dollars a session, and so correction. She by by eleven months old, her family had hit five hundred thousand dollars in medical expenses. If Republicans succeed in striking down the Affordable Care Act, insurance companies will be able to deny coverage for children with serious conditions.
0: And you know, again, more political grandstanding. Uh, is there anybody? who absolutely believes that the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, actually lowered costs? It didn't. I mean, it didn't. And President Trump has been in favor of, pre, you know, taking care of pre-existing conditions. So all of this is for naught. She's running for vice president of the United States, so she's got to say this kind of stuff. I don't know what Cory Booker's angle is, other than he likes to hear himself talk, but this hearing is going nowhere for the democrats nowhere i mean in day one they've got nothing there's no meat there's nothing and you're gonna expect you can expect this for the next now uh, amy coney barrett gets to speak tomorrow so the or today as i'm recording this so that'll be better that we'll actually get her to hear her talk and answer questions now typically what's going to happen the Democrats don't want to ask her legitimate questions. They don't. They're going to be all about grandstanding. So you can see the most, you'll find most of the Democrats will talk over there a lot of time, so she won't be able to answer much. And then you'll see the right, the Republicans give her praise. It's, this is just nothing but kabuki theater. It makes no sense to even go through this process. All they should do right now is vote and get it over with and put her on the court. Democrats are pathetic, just pathetic. All right, let's switch gears. Newt Gingrich uh, is out. Gingrich, 2020 election, most sobering choice since 1864 when Lincoln reelected. Now, if you don't know about Newt Gingrich, um, you know, he was a congressman from Georgia in the 6th District. I just happen to live in the 6th District, uh, by the way. And before he got into Congress, he was a historian. The man knows his history. I mean, he's written several books on history. The man knows history. He's a history professor. I mean, they'll hear him talk about history. Someone from my, from, like me, who's a history buff, loves history. I, I love to hear Newt Gingrich go on about history because the man is so wicked smart when it comes to his, history. So he goes on. He goes, this could be more. Uh, This could not be any more of a difference between the Democrat and Republican parties today, or there could not be any more of a difference. I'm sorry. While the GOP is focused on preserving our constitutional founding, a growing Marxist socialist element within the Democrat Party has angrily demonstrated an open disdain for our founding hostility towards our traditional traditions, cultural norms. And would, if given the power, erase our form of government and replace it with an authoritarianism that would destroy our liberties. So true. So true. And no one sees and understands that more clearly than former House Speaker Newt Gingrich himself, a very learned history. An interview on Sunday uh, or an interview Sunday on New York AM WABC 770s radio. Uh, Gingrich explained to the host, John Kastamatidis, that America has been at this crossroads before. Uh, explain, uh, all the left wants is power, Gingrich warned. They're perfectly happy with letting Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden travel around the world and look like he's important as long as they get power. Gingrich noted that the November presidential elections is the most sobering choice since 1864 when Abraham Lincoln ran for re-election. He said that if Lincoln had lost and he was on the path to lose, had General William Sherman not sacked Atlanta and taken most of Georgia, the South would have succeeded, which would have meant... That slavery would have survived, at least for a while, and the Union would have been dead. Think about that. If Lincoln lost his election, his second election, we'd have slavery in the United States. And we are now in a similar situation with people who do not like America, want to replace America, are committed to profoundly changing the world you live, you and I live in, Gingrich, Gingrich continued, and, 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 and would like to make us basically like California where it's virtually impossible to defeat the machine in California because they've rigged the game so decisively. Castamonts then asked if former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who hates President Trump, wanted to become the next George Soros. Gingrich explained that Bloomberg is a typical liberal who backs issues like gun control and seeks to work within our system to achieve his policy objectives. By comparison, Soros hates America. He is right. Right now, spending millions of dollars to elect district attorneys who are pro-criminal and anti-police. And I think Soros is very happy with the level of chaos he's created in the streets and the looting and the burning down of buildings and the destruction of small businesses, Gingrich continued. Now, Gingrich went on to say Soros is a much more dangerous person than Bloomberg, and I agree with that. This is the most important election of your lifetime. Make sure you vote. Make sure your friends vote. Make sure they know exactly what is going on, he added. Talk with them. Get past what the media propaganda is trying to do. And I think this is an unbelievably an important time. I mean, he is so right. And I've been saying this for a while as well, that I, I you know, I, I hate the rhetoric of this is the most important election of my lifetime, but I feel like this really is. We have got to reelect Donald Trump. We cannot allow the left to take over because all Biden will be is a figurehead. And, you know, I'm not saying slavery will go back in or come back, but this is such an important election. If you can convince anyone to vote red, do it. I mean, we are at a crossroads right now If Biden gets in, Biden won't be in charge. You all know that. It'll be those people that he puts in his cabinet. And those are the people that are running his campaign right now. And it's not, I've mentioned this before, it's not Kamala Harris. Yeah, I believe she'll be president in two years if Biden's elected. I think he will step down. But it's those people controlling Biden right now that are the ones to worry about. They are radical leftists. And they will do more damage to this country than you've ever thought possible. One last story, and we'll wrap it up today. Um, This is a story about mass. CDC 85% of COVID 19 patients report always or often wearing a mask. An unreported, underreported, recently published CDC study adds to the pile of evidence that cloth masks or other forms of mandated face coverings only contribute negatives to our COVID-19 problem. The study also displays, despite the constant accusations of widespread misbehavior from public health officials, that Americans are adhering to mask wearing, but mask wearing is not doing us any good. The CDC studies which surveyed symptomatic COVID-19 patients have found that 70.6% of respondents reported always wearing a mask, while an additional 14.4% say they often wear a mask. That means a whopping 85% of infected COVID-19 patients report habitual mask wearing. Only 3.9 percent of those infected say they never wear a face covering. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a scam demic. We just saw, and, I, and uh, in my podcast yesterday, I, I, I showed a story, talked about a story where the World Health Organization is saying, "Well, wait a minute." Oh, the lockdowns may have been bad and have caused more problems than good. Now we're seeing studies from the CDC that mask wearing too. I'm not saying don't wear your mask, please. I'm not a, I'm not a health expert. But common sense is going to tell you that something's afoot here. We've been in lockdown, semi-lockdown, whatever kind of lockdown you want to talk about for what, seven, eight months. We're going into the holiday season. We're going, coming into an election. You know, the president of the United States contracted this virus from China and recovered rather rapidly. And the media is going on and on and on about his rallies, how they're, they're not wearing masks. They're super spreader rallies. In fact, I was watching Anderson Cooper Tuesday night. I know, I, 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 I'm a glutton for punishment. And a quarter into his show, all he's talking about is the rallies Trump is doing right now. And nobody's wearing a mask or people aren't wearing a mask. People are chanting CNN sucks. CNN sucks. They do suck. Amy Coney Barrett is up for nomination for the Supreme Court of the United States. And he spends the first quarter of his show talking about masks and rally at a Trump event and calls them super spreader events. And we have a report now coming out of the CDC that 84, 5% of COVID-19 patients report always or often wearing a mask. Masks aren't the answer. Do they help? Oh, sure, maybe. I don't know. But they're not the answer. These people running around in their cars by themselves wearing a mask are not doing themselves any good. You know, I'm wearing prescription eyeglasses right now because... I'm giving my eyes a rest from the contacts. I wear a mask. I breathe up. My glasses fog up. It's cumbersome. But you know what? Somebody's going to say, they're going to say, oh, E, you know, is it worth your health? Is it worth your life to have your glasses fog up? But that's not what's happening. This virus has a 99% appro- uh, survival rate. It's absolutely beyond asinine that we've allowed our government to do this. And it's because it's Donald J. Trump as president and it's because it's an election year. I believe after the election is over, regardless who wins, all this goes away. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast Politics and Brown Liquor. Please visit our website, thepblpodcast.com. You can visit all of our social media, all our links are there. Please do visit our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I am putting these episodes on YouTube now. So if you want to, See me look a fool on video by all means. Check out my YouTube channel. And there you go. You've got me and all my glory. And again, if you love guitars, I've got some beautiful guitars in the background and I may just be switching those out. But please do subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And whatever platform you're listening to us on, please like, follow, share, subscribe, and rate our podcast, Five Star, to move us up in the algorithm because you've heard it before, you've heard it again, and Woody talks about it all the time. My trusted canine goes. Life is not a matrix. Life is an algorithm. Thanks for listening, you guys. Have a great day. Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director, Kathy Rinkin. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching For you, if you are in business and you are in front of people, or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength, as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or, again, talking with the media in front of. Camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd and a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You would love you're going to love this workshop.